Welcome to the Problem is Not the Problem Thinking Development Podcast. I am your host, Akin Odibito. I'm a medical doctor, medical literacy expert, thinking skills evangelist. I'm also author of the book, Common Errors in Thinking. Thinking mistakes people make every day and simple tips to correct them. Thinking is the fundamental human resource. Change your thinking, change your world. Because all problems are thinking problems. And all solutions are thinking solutions. Better thinking, better world. Poorer thinking, for a world. So and so I invite you today to explore a little bit of our thinking tools. So when I tell people I teach thinking, what I really mean is I teach people how to use thinking tools. And in learning how to use tools, so tools like every other machine is something that makes work easier to do. Now, of course, we don't really need to do a lot of heavy lifting thinking in familiar situations where we've gotten possible answers. In fact, in many ways, the enemy of better is good when it comes to thinking for a lot of people. But as you move higher up and you embrace new challenges and as you choose to grow and evolve, you are going to need new thinking or newer thinking, better Thinking, if you're going to have better outcomes at that level. And that betterness needs to be congruent. If I should borrow from my NLP people, they would say it has to be ecological. It has to be something that's wholesome, holistic, and embraces all the parts of your life that matter to you. And so thinking is my model. It's my preferred model, my preferred tool, and my preferred approach to making the world a better place to make the world a better place now today's episode is not exactly a thinking skills tools session per se but what's happening now is that i'm responding to one of my favorite youtubers um patrick bet david if you do not know patrick bet david patrick bet david has an amazing podcast called the pd pbd podcast and before that, he it was, is, maybe he still is, I'm not sure. The core, I think he is still the, the man at Valuetainment. And, but I think they've shifted the podcast themselves. And, and it's such an interesting thing. So if you watch the evolution of the man himself, you know, so he, everything was on Valuetainment at some point. However, at some point he recognized that, hey, this, this other thing, this podcast thing could be a standalone thing by itself and so he said okay no problem he just um, separated them and in separating them I think he was able to grow the audiences for each of them and I liked it because we do, our politics do not necessarily agree and I did not like that to steal away from listening to him on the things we agree with nonetheless he's one of my respected and admired i really really like him i really like and i I like his thinking 
I like his naivete a bit too. Um, and I like his, I like the dude. I just like the dude. I like his story, his backstory. I like his approach to interviewing. I, I really, I, I enjoy them. So that said, he, I saw his video yesterday. He did a video Yes, I don't know where, I think he did it like two, three weeks ago. Because I think it was about the time of the Uvalde, um, the Uvalde school shooting in Texas that he did that video. And then I think even maybe when during the recording or after they recorded, there was the another shooting. No, no, he had done it for the Highland Park shooting. And then before he could even release it, there was now the school shooting as well, which kind of poked holes in some of the things he said when it was referring to the previous shooting. Nonetheless, at the end of that episode, he gave a, he, he made a proclamation. He gave and said, hey, um, if you have an idea to solve the gun shooting, you know, gun shooting epidemic, pandemic, gun violence problem in the United States of America, he wants to hear. I said, let me hear from you. And so, haven't done two episodes of a podcast, because I have done two episodes of the podcast about gun violence and gun shooting, even though I'm not native to nor resident in the United States of America. And just that alone already gives me, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, a head start in approaching this from an objective manner. What happened? However, I hadn't done was to, uh, was to approach it from a subjective manner, to, to go into the eyes of the populace and experience it through their eyes, and not just the eyes of an outsider that says, you guys are all freaking dummies. You guys are stupid. Because, and I'll tell you why I think so, in so many ways. So let's look at this supposed Second Amendment to the Constitution. As so, as part of a well-regulated militia, the government shall create no law to ban the, you know, to refuse the bearing of arms, you know. And of course, by the time you sit down and ask, how many people are in, how many gun owners are in a well-regulated militia? None. And they say, okay, to, to bear arms as a force against tyranny. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. A tyranny... You're saying that um, you think your AR-15 <laughs> is going to stop government tyranny. You really think that because you have a collection of guns in your house, well, maybe you you last. <laughs> no, ob you've obviously not processed this thing. You maybe maybe the, when they sit down and think about it, you know what? America had a very close chance to understand what the rest of the world is wary, if not outside, af if not outright afraid of what, of what the world is wary about when they hear about American military adventurism. If on January 6th, they got even just one official, not talk about, if they, they, if they got Mike Pence, the people in, in that crowd would learn for sure how why the United States military is respected across the world. That place would be a pool of blood. 
would have been a pool. So, because I sit down and I imagine, okay, so if everybody had, they had guns, can they take out a drone? If you say, oh, yes, you are carrying weapons of war in the time of peace. And you think that is normal. The AR-15 is not a... Let's even remove the AR-15. The handgun. The handgun is not a weapon of war. At best, at least not in 2022. At best, it's a weapon of self-defense. You want to defend a tyrannical... So what, what, what are you going to do if the... So, so let's say the federal government says, Texas, we're going to... You're not going to fight... You're not going to win the United States government in a battle to, to prevent tyranny. The right of people to bear arms shall not be infringed upon. As part of a well-regulated militia. And that's the truth is, only truly, truly... <laughs> and that's, that's interesting dichotomy between gun ownership, gun culture, and then what the Second Amendment really says. I would believe better if... I believe better the argument about government tyranny if all gun, gun owners actually belonged to a well-regulated militia. Because it's only a well-regulated mil militia armed with guns that can actually even stand the ghost of a chance, of a memory, of being able to resist the United States government. But not in, in a state where everybody has their own guns. Everybody has their own priorities. Everybody has their own preferences and activities and what have you. No way. You're not going to be able to resist the government tyranny like that. The most you will do is buy yourself time to escape from the state. Or just time to say goodbye to your wife and children. And for them to say goodbye to you. Before, if the government is really being tyrannical, they get you and drag you out. What, what's your... What's your that your shotgun. What's your shotgun going to do against a drone? When you just, just go to simply level the send a missile and you level, they will level your entire building. It will become charred. This is not Vietnam War. This is not a, a Second World War either. All those movies. Uh, this is not White House Down. A single well-loaded Apache helicopter will erase, it will erase every living thing on every floor. In that place. Look, if you want to fight government tyranny, the day and age where fighting government tyranny was by using the force of arms is almost gone. The reason why other countries can stand when the United States military goes into military adventurism is because the United States military still kind of holds itself to a sort of standard, which in reality, they don't really need to. The government has committed a lot of atrocities against a lot of people in many places. Your frigging handgun and your assault rifle, your AR or M16 or whatever, whatever other name, fancy full name that you have over your weapon, is not going to stop the United States Army. It's not going to stop the Marines. It's not going to stop the United States Air Force. It's just not going to stop it. If the government wanted to be tyrannical, if the government wanted to be tyrannical, they will lord it over the people. 
So just get out there, be politically active, make a protest. Protest, 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 and approach the government for redress. And if you feel so strongly about it, don't just go and own a gun. You need to own a gun and be part of a well-regulated militia. Anything other than that is just a pipe dream or, or an attempt for self-defense. So, the self-defense argument in the gun, con- in the gun debate, I don't say gun control per se, but that, so gun control, gun safety. And I like the pivot from gun control to gun safety because in a country with 330 million people, where there are already 400 million guns, and God knows how many bullets. The time of gun confiscation, it is possible, but that time is far, far away. Logistic, it's a logistics nightmare. And I'm not even sure it's going to work. My approach to handling the whole gun violence, gun shooting thing, is twofold. So if you listen to my previous podcast, we had such an interesting problem statement after exploring this myself and some of the uh, one of the other ladies in the office after exploring it left right and then we and boom we got something such an interesting um, problem so you need to go back and listen to that if you haven't however moving forward so with respect to the solution i have in mind so um now so typically on the podcast i usually whip out a thinking tool and then I use it for you on a problem, sort of like a case study. I'm not doing that for this one because I've, I've done some of that already in previous videos. But with an added layer of this, I want to set the stage for... So this is going to be a shorter than usual podcast. But what I want to showcase, especially to Patrick Beth Davis, the Valutainment family, and the PBD podcast family, is here's my proposition for you guys to sit down to think about and explore how to implement because I think it's a real strong, powerful thing that can actually address the gun violence issue in a very interesting and substantial way. Are we ready? Are we ready? Good. Um, the approach to solving America's gun violence, gun safety, <coughs> gun control problem is via sports. And entertainment. Let me say that again. My preferred approach and my proposition to solving America's gun violence control safety problem is going to be via sports and entertainment. What do I mean? So let me show you a few of the moving parts that I'm trying to bring together. So there are many competing interests. There's the, there are the gun owners. There are the gun manufacturers and their ilk, there's the regulators, and then there's everybody else. Now, among everybody else, the gun owners are not a significant proportion of the American, or let me say they're not the major proportion of the American people. We do not have up to 50% of the country as pro-gun. 50% of the country does not believe that they live in a sane world, that a sane world is a world where everybody can shoot and kill everybody. No, 
most people do not believe that. That is, it's not true. Most of them don't own guns and they don't even really like guns. So, but, so there's a gun crowd, the gun owner group. And the gun owner group is divided into two parts, which I do not know by percentage. One part of them are reasonable gun owners, which, I mean, I think that is like, because if I should follow any of the polling on the matter, they are talking roughly about like 90, 95% of all gun owners. But there's also a 5% which, is, which, are the, which are the toxic parts, you know, of the gun owner community. Because they shape something that's really interesting and important, which is gun culture. But we'll come back to that. So gun culture is, think of gun culture being like in the center of a hub. Because my solution for fixing the gun violence control safety program is to tackle gun culture itself. But who contributes to gun culture? Gun owners, the responsible gun owners, and the irresponsible gun owners. The irresponsible gun owners are the reason why an 18-year-old will go and buy a gun and, and feel that that is how to address problems he's experiencing. Yes, Tukakasi may say white replacement theory all day, all night, but the reason why somebody would interpret that as so let me use this gun to reduce the risk to my race. As it were, because it was clearly racially motivated. The only way that works is because gun culture makes him think that that is a way to address or redress issues. The gun manufacturers also contribute to poor gun culture by because they they are in their quest to maintain profitability. So to me, even the gun manufacturer group is also divided into two parts. One part of it is responsible gun manufacturers who, yes, they're making guns, but their thinking is more about self-defense, you know, protecting yourself and your family, you know, and, um, and, and maybe sports and all that. Hunting and the like. The other part are interested in death. They're interested in death. They're interested in murder. They're interested in warfare. For them, violence is not is not is not an afterthought. Their aim and their objective is to fuel violence because now some of now out of those group of people, there's a group of them who are using who believe who poison slash shape gun culture because they think that is the only way to be profitable. So being for to them to be profitable, they think they need to create a culture of violence. If they have a culture of violence, they will be more profitable, which is why after the shooting in Texas, they still had the F1 tree and lack of fellow feeling. Or, or, or oblivion to optics to go and to just either cancel or postpone the program. No, they double down. So in that group, in the gun manufacturing group, there are the responsible gun manufacturers who are kind of helpless and feel, well, I mean, what are we going to do? And then there are the ones who poison the world of public discourse by shaping and poisoning gun culture so that it fosters an environment of violence 
And then from that violence comes profitability. Some of those people, if they are shown an alternative out of the, the path of violence, will see, would, 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 would be fine. Will be more comfortable. They're more comfortable and live with less guilt and shame inside, destroying their own souls just a little less, just a little less. Okay, so so that that's that. And then, of course, there are the regulators. Now, the regulators, because they're being paid by the gun manufacturers and, and being lobbied by the gun owners, they tend to just throw their hands and say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Okay, so federal background checks. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's bring in the solution. Let's bring in that solution. Let's do And that one, that is well and good, too. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Fantastic. However... Um, it, they just tend not to get anything done, really, really, really. So, what's my proposition? My proposition is, how about we find the white spaces between these competing factors? Most people are not gun owners. However, because, because the truth is, the truth is, if you own a gun, whether for self-defense purposes or for tyrannical government purposes, if you have a gun, what it means is that you are a potential murderer. This is minus suicides, minus accidents, minus is that you you plan to have the capacity to end another person's life. Yes, you say maybe if they're trying to end yours, okay. But you are okay with the idea that you should be able to kill somebody else. It is a weapon to kill. It is a weapon to kill. And in the con in a country where you need to be 18 years old to learn how to drive, and you need to pass a driving test, so that you do not kill somebody accidentally, in that same country, a weapon that is meant to kill people deliberately has less regulation than a tool that can kill people accidentally. You guys are out of your freaking minds. If you cannot see that simple piece of knowledge and take common sense gun control reforms, you are blind. And I have to argue for stupid as well. I have to. A car that may kill somebody is better regulated than a gun that will almost likely kill somebody. Alright, but that's not today's topic. Since we are not going to disappear the guns, nor are we going to disappear cars. Then we need to find a way to work around them. So I say, let's do with cars. Let's do with guns what we do with cars. Which is what? Re bringing sports and entertainment to it. What I would do, if I was NRA chairman or that in a gun anti-lobby group, is simple. Alright, let us make these guns not just... The Let's, let's expand the gun owner tent. So when I say expand the gun owner tent, of course, your NRA people, the gun manufacturers will listen. The gun uh, sellers will listen. The gun owners will listen. And the, gun, and the government officials who are supposed to regulate that part will listen. Because I say, let's expand the tent. The only people that will be wary are the non-gun owners. And how am I going to expand the tent? All right, so no problem. 
let's create simple contests, county by county, you know, state by state, about shooting. So you want to shoot, no problem. So you go to create lovely shooting ranges all across town with simulations and everything. Let's make it fun. So people can buy guns, people can buy bullets, they can come and shoot out, not themselves. But, so we give them stuff, stuff to do. The same way you, you create racetracks. Racetracks, people come and they watch the racetrack. And then, um, so you sit down, you create those kind of things. And I'm not talking about Call of Duty, because Call of Duty is nice and well and good. I'm talking about like real-time, real-frame training, shooting live ammunition at very unalive dummies. You know, dummies, shapes, situations, pretty much like they do with war and war games. Yes. Let us move war games down into something that can be done county by county, locality by locality, top long and gunshot rate. Let's take this, the sporting element of gun ownership and let us use it to flush out the toxic parts of American gun culture. When people feel they have an outlet to own and use their guns a little more, then they can change it. We can dilute. We can dilute. When everybody finds guns as something around, because what are the key things in sports? There's the challenge, and that's a, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing, in and of itself. Their talents, the, 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 the challenge of being a good marksman. Someone who can shoot and hit, hit targets. Someone who can shoot and hit targets that are moving in haphazard ways. Someone who, can, who has the discipline and the self-control to do it sitting down, to do it, to do it blindfolded, to do it um, cross-legged, to do it in various ways. We can make gun shooting fun using normal bullets, from normal guns and that people already have. So the handguns will have their own category. The, the machine guns will have their own category. The automatic weapons will have their own category. The anyone record will have their own category. The master maxman gets an, a, a, a medal, you know, like, or, or a cop. Like the car, in short, I'm not saying take Formula One into cars, essentially. That's what, that is my, that's my proposition. That's a proposition. Make people, make the, make people within the gun community and the gun owner community stars, 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 and superstars. Yes, yes. Best female shooter, best male shooter, best one can be blindfolded. Sit down, invest about hundred million dollars, give or take, all across the major cities, and create gun tournaments. Gun, not just gun shows, gun actual tournaments where people sit down and enjoy. And you do it at such a scale and such an efficacy, you know, like, so we have Comic Con, you know, and then, um, what's the other thing? Anime Con, I don't know. Politicon, for example. Too. Yes, let there be Gunicon. Let the gun culture people get a little more mainstreamed into the sports and entertainment spaces of gun, of, of gun culture. So if we tweak gun culture, if we tweak gun culture, then the use of gun, a weapon of war, in the times in times of peace, can be repurposed to leisure. Let me say that again. If we embrace the sports 
idea to support an entertainment value of gun ownership and we use it as a vehicle to change gun culture and this is something that can be that can be done in as quickly as five years once you use it to change gun culture then fewer people would see guns a weapon of war in societies at peace as an outlet to destroy and instead use guns as a chance of personal improvement so you make the you make winners of gun contests rock stars chief marksman chief marksman they get awards they do it at the local level they do it at the county level they do it at state level they do it at federal level marksmen of all sorts of times all you know all sorts of people solid marksmen sit down get that done and you will find out that man there are possibilities here aren't they as a government a responsible government find out, yes 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 there are possibilities here and we with that we have the chance to shift gun culture to shift gun culture in a way that makes 400 million guns being owned by less than 50% of the country into a world where maybe we'll own 500 million guns and yet we'll have less little or no definitely not no but the, the gun deaths would reduce dramatically if you want to fix gun violence what you should fix more than anything else is gun culture and one of the ways to fix gun culture would be by changing gun culture from a focus on violence to a focus of sportsmanship and of entertainment once you shift the conversation from from destruction to creation or creativity then those tools are repurposed and then and if you if you're a christian you would understand this as well and then women beat their swords into plowshares the weapon of war would then be taken and repurposed for value the 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 that says men think that they beat their swords and their spears into plowshares a sword and a spear are the weapons of war the plowshare is a weapon of industry and the weapon of creation. The plowshare is used to farm. It gets out value. It's, it's a creative tool. We can do that same thing with guns, metaphorically speaking. It's a weapon of war, but when we're not at war, what do we do with the weapon of war? If we do not give the weapon of war a different purpose in a time of peace, then aren't we inadvertently requesting war? No, sir, we do not need to. If we're able to take weapons of war and repurpose them in the direction of creation and creativity and, 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 and self-development and growth by encouraging it so, so that we're having sports, sports shooting, marksmanship, you know, and we'll use it to develop life skills that are even useful outside of the gun range and outside of you holding a holster 
or, or, or the or the or the or a gun in any way, shape, or form. And so I believe that the gun culture represents the biggest avenue to change the face of gun violence, to reduce gun violence, and also to improve people and their communities. Yes, the gun is not for killing. Even, even though the gun was invented to kill people, and automatic guns were invented to kill more people quicker and easier, I do not believe that needs to be the limit of their usefulness. I believe that if we bring in sports the same way... So, so imagine... Here, here's an interesting thought experiment. Imagine that there were no racetracks. There was no speeding. No racetracks. No speeding. Your car was just for transportation alone. I do not know for sure that the the speed the reasons they started car racing was because of accidents, car accidents, where people were speeding. I do not know that for sure. But in retrospect, it sounds to me like that may have been a consideration. That may have been a consideration. Somebody somewhere said, see, people like speeding in their cars. Can we create a place for those kind of people? So that, so that they're not speeding in our roads, they're not speeding in our schools, they're not speeding in our, you know, they're not speeding near us. Can we create a space for those kinds of people? Let them go and speed to their hearts delights. If they want to kill themselves, let them kill themselves there. I'm not doing this in town. And guess what happened? They created the car race. The, the car race industry started. The makers of the cars came out. Drivers became, you know, something big. Race tracks were designed. An entire economy arose around it and became a global economy that rooted around car racing as a sport, as an object of sports and entertainment. And I believe that people can do the same thing with guns. People can do the same thing with guns. The United States of America is in a unique position to take leadership on this as they have been on many other things. What you need to do, get, get some money together, start creating um, um, gun, gun, is it gun shows, gun sports. Let shooting sports become a major thing. Invest in the shooting sports. Let's drain some of the, um, the pent-up anger and pent-up zeal to utilize weapons of war in times of peace as violence against the fellow man. To, to, let's, let's turn, let's transmute that energy using the tool of the same gun in a plowshare kind of manner for creativity, inspiration, self-development, concentration, understanding by different kinds of things, handgun competition, bullet contribution, gun recognition contribution. It doesn't have to be our shooting. It can be who can take the gun apart and put it back together faster than the other people who can put the gun, different gun parts together in a different way. Yes, yes. Yes, who can do it blindfolded, who can do it without, who can do it with one hand, who can do it while tied up, who can do it well, who can do it well, who can do it well. There's a, an ocean of possibility around bringing sports and entertainment into gun culture and using that to starve out the darker elements of gun culture in the American society today, beginning today. Of course, it's not going to be a walk in the park. Of course, it's not going to take 
60 days. But maybe by 2027. Yeah, maybe by 27, maybe by 2028. We live in a different kind of country because gun culture has changed. Gun culture has changed. And because gun culture has changed, gun violence is less. Even though there are so many guns. Government, we do not, government regulation is not the prerequisite to a stable society. Nobody needs laws to not steal. We don't need laws to do that. So when they say, oh, government regulation, government regulation is good, but most people can self-regulate. Especially if they are given aids and tools by which they can self-regulate. When little children understand that, yes, yeah, this gun can kill, but this gun can also make your memory sharper, help you concentrate, learn how to remember things, learn how to discipline yourself, how to do breath control, you know, for marksmanship and the, and the like. And these things will just come together, come together, come together. So that's my little missive for Mr. Patrick Beth David and the PBD podcast and Valutainment family. I actually shot them an email once the other day. Um, and it was one of the fastest return times I've ever had for any of my social slash political commentators. And it's a testament to their to them being on top of their game in terms of engaging their audience and stuff. So here's my little piece to him based on his challenge to, hey, I want to hear good ideas on how to get rid of this monster, as it were. So, thank you very much, and then um, tonight, catch you the next one. Bye bye.